Well, hello, and welcome to Talking in Stations, a broadcast and a podcast about EVE Online, recorded live on Twitch, Saturdays, 1500 Universal Time. I'm your guest host, Carneros, covering for Madderall, who's away this week. EVE Online is a science fiction computer game played all around the world and all around the clock. Uh, and it is home to uh, just an amazing complex community and rotation of, of people coming in and playing at different times. Politics, governance, trade, economics, and war have created a 14-year continuum of history. Uh, and it's, it's amazing, all made by the players themselves. Today, we're gonna take a, a look at uh, the question, do CCP developers play EVE alongside us? And if so, where? This is uh, always a fun thing to talk about. Uh, let me introduce you to our guest today. First of all, uh, today we have CCP Falcon from uh, CCP's uh, community department. Say hello, Falcon. Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Good morning, uh, or good evening to you. And also to uh, thank you to Noisy Gamer for coming on and joining us, Ex uh, premier investigator on the EVE Online platform and social media expert, even though he doesn't say that. I also have... I'm also, um, also very bad with uh, push to talk. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here today. <laughs> nice. I also have Apple Pear, an FC from Hogyoku Corporation in Goonswarm. Hi. And a big thank you to our producer, McLeod, from the graduates in the initiative. Hello there. Um, my name again is Carneros. I'm the CEO of The Bastion. And uh, many years ago, five years ago, I used to be an EVE Online dev as well at CCP. Five years goes by. Uh, so let's, let's jump in for a moment. We've got uh, several parts of the show today. We wanted to talk about our main question about EVE Online and do CCP devs play with us. We also want to talk about EVE news and uh, in-game news and development news. There have been a couple, uh, there's been a dev blog and a dev post this week that's meaningful. Um, we also um, just want to talk about what's going on in the game. And, and um, here's a little bit of a surprise for some of you. Ready? Two months from today, instead of sitting here, I'm going to be sitting in a, in a, a hotel at Eve Vegas uh, with my buddies getting ready for uh, uh, the beginning of the Eve Vegas event. How many of you are ready? Ooh, for Eve Vegas? Ready? I am. Well, just, I'm excited. Just to let you know, the there was some flooding in the hotel parking lot last night. So you might, if if you're driving because you you're from California, you might want to look out. It's monsoon season here at the moment. It's been doing it here. I I live in San Diego County, or uh, San Diego, California, and it's been flooding here every day. There's been the uh, little warnings that come through on your watch and your phone telling you. Uh, flash flood alerts in this part, in this part, so you have to be careful. It's crazy. But it'll be dried up by then. It'll be fine. What's the worst that can happen? 
That's the worst that can happen. You have to fly home oh, with your winnings. You have to use a boat plane. You might want to deposit your winnings before you get on the plane. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> Roger. All right. Well, thank you very much. Let's, uh, let's do take a moment and look at what is happening in EVE Online. First of all, if, if you uh, by any chance look at any of the um, <laughs> if you look at any of the kill boards, you're going to see some interesting stuff. Let me, let me give uh, a link to McLeod to put up. Oh, yeah, please. This is the list of um, <laughs> recent dead Rorquals. Holy cow, have there been a lot of dead Rorquals. And if you just look through this screen of it and scroll down a bit, what you'll notice is most of them, a huge number of them, are in Delve. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, um, the, uh, the Imperium has deployed away from Delve and just left some uh, stubborn ratters and miners back there who are being quickly called through uh, with the help of a pandemic legion dread cache nearby. Turns out it's pretty effective and they don't even have to use very many of them uh, and, they, and they can uh, burn through. Actually also fair number of dead super capitals this week, but I'd say we've got to have, we got to be down a good, I don't know, 40 workwells in Delve this week. To, yeah, 40. Yeah, 40 at least. Workwells, a lot of money. A lot of money. And, and the funny thing, 20 of those we lost during the State of the Union. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, whenever the Imperium goes to war, it generally starts with the Mitanni giving a big fancy speech called the State of the Union. And this was a, a little bit uh, fancier than most. It was a really cool video that got me stirred and grinning that with the the lighting of the beacons. I loved it. Uh, and uh, we we uh, all piled into fleets after that and started moving away. But, you know, people were already prepping at the time that the uh, people were already prepping at the time the speech was getting ready to start. And there was already no protection for anybody who was doing anything stupid. And, you know, if you're going to do something stupid, you might as well do it at really large scale, say with 20 work walls and two super carriers. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's true. So he gave us a good start off. Well, the other kind of thing is it's fairly customary for um, Imperium deployments to start off with some kind of massive whelp for the whelp gods, right? Yeah, we... we... We have to praise the Valve Gods indeed, otherwise we cannot win. But then again, you know, one can say that uh, NC has also, uh, you know, been praising the Whelp Gods as well, to some degree. And it's probably the same kind of thing where it's, it's one or two guys not doing what the rest of the folks are, are doing and not following all the rules properly, who are finding themselves uh, getting caught out on the sidelines. Am I right? Pretty much. 
Yeah, there was a little incident in Placid that involved, I'm going to say, three NC dot avatars and um, I think like four Nixes and an Aeon. That Although some would say an Aeon only counts for half a super character. <laughs> that age, <laughs> that age old thing. Just uh, just squirreling around over here. But yeah, that was um, that was an interesting moment of Friday, I have to say. Yeah, so there's been a little bit of, of people jockeying around. One thing that was interesting about this this deployment was somehow it got kept really secret uh, where we were going and what we were doing um, until pretty much the last minute. As uh, far as I know, I mean, there was some speculation happening in various places. If you read Reddit, you you saw some of it. Uh, but um, there was some, uh, but in the end, I know, I don't think people really guessed where exactly we were going. Uh, and they held it really close to their chests. You know, I, as someone who used to live in Vale of the Silent, I was tickled pink when they uh, picked Hakonin as our staging system. Loved that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, it was just an interesting set of, uh, who to fight uh, and uh, what kind of ships might be coming and what to do next. So, I'm, you know, I'm just, it just, it's fun. It's not a, uh, not everyone gets tied up in the narrative of these wars. Some of them, some of us just like to go and have fun activities and blow stuff up and get blown up and see exciting parts of the world. Because uh, it's, New Eden is a place that is designed to be visited all over, not just all in your own home system. Uh, so this is great. Oh yeah, if you, if, if your only experience in Eve is a, a single kind of region out in the middle of nowhere, or you know, something like Kaisek, whatever, then you really haven't experienced Eve. You really need to go out and, you know, go out and meet new people and shoot them in the face. And, and I think a lot of people uh, in Imperium are looking forward to this. If you see the fleet numbers we have and how much excitement there is for this deployment, it's just crazy. You know, as somebody that's not in, that doesn't live in High or uh, Nullsack, and um, I, I, this is still hopefully going to impact me because all the people that like to shoot things are going to like gravitate up to where you guys are deployed, and I'll be able to mine, you know, really quietly in um, uh, in my low sex system, except for when a couple wormholers pop in and want to shoot me. Well, another way it could affect you is try to avoid needing to buy anything in Cheetah right now, because we've done some, uh, uh, we've run roughshod over certain parts of the market there. Um, and you'll see, you'll see, uh, it's hard to tell sometimes whether we purely ate up all of the local uh, supply, or if people saw what we were going to take and bought, <clears throat> bought it all up and relisted it. I suspect it is a combination of both, but if you see, like, if, if you deploy with just one jump freighter jump out of Cheetah, then that will be your prime supply point. So, yeah, then the goon rushes are a thing that really empties the market. 
There was one point yesterday I saw when Pandemic Legion was split into two pieces. They had a group up in the north defending uh, attacks on Sov. And then they, uh, and it wasn't just their Sov, it was NC.Sov and, and uh, PLSov and just things in tribute and Vale. And then they had another group back down in Delve hot dropping ratters at the same time. So, you know, something for everyone. It's, it's good that they uh, clean up the Delve a bit with all the people who don't deploy. <laughs> if you don't know it by now and you're still mining in your capital, or writing in your capital, yeah, then you deserve to die. So we have a few timer boards, timers on the timer boards now, but not, you know, not, it's not you know, it's still just getting started, a little bit of something. Um, but um, if you're bored and your corpse not doing too much uh, and your friends are off on summer break, um, you know, get yourself in an honorable third-party ship and come on out and try to make make trouble on some of these uh, official timer boards. All right, let's talk about uh, anything else on, on the just beginning war. It doesn't even have a name. I think that, well, this is one of the things. I've been kind of wondering whether this war is actually a new war or as other people have been saying, a continuation of the war that people thought had finished, but might not be. You know, I, I, I got the feeling that right now, this is just a deployment uh, for, uh, for the Imperium. So you don't really like name the deployment. I mean, unless you're gonna like do something like for a year and you're gonna call it max something one or max something two or whatever. I agree. I think at one point uh, there will be become a name. Some people have suggested some things, etc. But I don't. Not, nothing has come up yet, and something gets chosen, and then everybody runs with it. So, or or you could or it could wind up that during this campaign of a month or whatever it winds up to be, you lose everybody loses like two or three hundred titans, and then that's going to be the thing that names the war. Yep, that would be good. And, and don't forget, like, it's not only Imperium that uh, deployed to Hakonan, but also Test is in the north, and Init is doing their thing again in Syndicate. So uh, after, like, a slower period, we really see things winding up a bit. They have Tri doing things and CO2 fighting in the south. So there's a lot of things happening now, so that's good. It is pretty good. One of the other things that is also happening as well, sorry to just you know throw ourselves on a tangent here as well uh one of the other things that's happening uh in the eve universe but kind of separated is the at tournament at the moment uh reason why i wanted to actually bring it up was because um i actually wanted to put the stream on stream uh if you guys are completely cool with that is the initiative about to fight uh i'm not sure but like we've we're, we're, we might have a game that might be quite taxing quite difficult for us <laughs> Come on. you're well you're welcome to throw it up from time to time during the show it's it's hard to ladies and gentlemen it's hard to do a talk show and compete with the alliance tournament at the same time holy cow oh totally that's kind of one of the reasons why i i kind of feel like it, it'll be nice for our viewers to be able to see both streams at the same time, which I think would be really good. Go for it. 
At, at least GSF decided to boundary fill it for uh, boundary <laughs> everything with like nine ships. Uh, so Ash, yeah, it did look like he kind of went, nah, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, goons kind of lost their uh, their matchup. But they, yeah. they had a, had a pretty good run with getting through the feeder rounds and uh, at least winning one match in the Lions tournament after like three or four years before they were really in the tournament again. So I think they did uh, pretty well. That's impressive. Yeah. I, I can say that having tried my hand at it for the first time this year. Um, you know, it was... It, there was a lot to learn. A lot of behind-the-scenes stuff I didn't realize was there. It's, it's five times more complicated than I thought. Um, it was fun, though, and you definitely, your blood gets going as you get in the match. And it's, it's, it's quite an experience. I recommend it for everyone. But don't plan to get very far in the, in the tournament unless you really know what you're doing. Oh, my God, what is Jintan wearing, for Christ's sake? <laughs> what the hell? Oh my yeah. god. I, I think it's his pimp costume. I think he's worn it once before, like in a like in one of the uh NT NT uh is this him, sponsored things. Is this him role playing as a member of CVA, you know, gold and in and you know the MR Empire and all that? Were they not kicked out of the MR Empire because their standings were too low? That is pretty that, to be fair, that is a pretty in, intense jacket. But yeah. I think the last time he wore that was when he was also when he, oh, I'm sorry it, it's a different jacket than when he was wearing his pink cowboy hat my apologies to the listeners to the podcast after this live broadcast that's, that's actually he's wearing he's wearing a sort of like a matte black and gold sparkly richly printed sport coat over a black dress shirt and a gold reflective mirror tie a, yeah. and he's got golden black pimp glasses on and he is missing a glass of champagne somehow he like he basically looks like an npc from deus ex human revolution yes yeah <laughs> yes in fact he just when, looks like uh, an npc when he arrives for um for the Alliance tournament and for the CSM summit, his name is now going to be Adam Jensen for like three weeks. <laughs> well played, Falcon. Well played. All right. Well, dear Lord, that was a distracting outfit. Love it. Full credit. Yeah, full credit where it's due, most definitely. But anyway. Yeah. We, even just getting... Uh, uh, Alliance tournament practices were uh, interesting. Learning how to play on that uh, practice server. Thunderdome, it's called. Uh, it doesn't operate like Tranquility or, or Serenity or, or Singularity. The, it's totally different. And it, the, uh, and the kind of the, the, the yeah, the, there's a lot of differences in comparison to like tranquility but like there's some similarities and like the, the really the only kind of similarity that they have to really deal with is the matching system and the, you know the the mock-up match kind of system that they have to you know utilize and work with i have to give a uh, huge credit to ccp for that server because it makes it is a really big <laughs> 
it it's makes a really a difference. difference. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm laughing at the Chesser burned out his prop mod thing in local. Whoops. It's not you it expect from a high tier pilot. And I didn't realize when we got on there to practice that all the other teams were going to fake their names and not let people know who they were fighting. And then we all show up with our real names so everyone could to see, you know, <laughs> what ships we're playing with. And, and uh, you know, just all kinds of uh, undocumented lessons to learn. Did you not expect a metagame in even the AT kind of... Practices. I didn't because I thought um, AT had to be a level playing field and stuff like that, other than the obvious <laughs> tournament ships. But nope, that's how you learn and <laughs> EVE Online. But yeah, I think one of the best additions this year is the feeder tournaments for that. It's like, it gives so many people a more chance to get involved. And I think that uh, that did very good to the Alliance tournaments. It's more inclusive, right? Like. You know, people people don't feel like it's like the AT tournament is an elite club for only select individuals. They feel like you know it's it's something that they could potentially get involved with, even if they're you know haven't been around for absolutely ages. Yeah, and and it, and it also might help that on the uh, on the first day that Hydra Reloaded lost their first match, and so it's it, it, you you get even more of a sense that anything can happen, and even the powers can like, you know, if they have a bad day, they could just like get wiped. It's true. You need to you need to be up on your game, and like, even if you do have a mat, bad match, you can't let that phase you in the next match. If you, you know, if you're lucky enough to actually have a next match. But yeah, shall we, uh, shall we move on, Carnaris, to... Yes, Dev the next thing. Exactly. Yeah. There were a couple things this week. First of all, we, we went live with the new forums that uh, um, everybody... Uh, kind of chimed in, looked at, and said, hey, these are nice, uh, and adopted without any of the normal complaints about changing something in EVE Online. You know how there, anyone who's been playing for a couple of years or more feels like, oh, no, don't change my game. You're screwing up everything. I can't use the new scanning tool. I can't find anything on the new map. It, uh, it's not where I expected it to be. It's like when you, uh, you know, when you move all the furniture and your cats are trying to figure out where everything is now <laughs> yeah it's a uh, th that's usually what you get when you change something in the user interface and you no that's not what happened with the forums everyone said oh this is good yeah go for it i do like the new forums actually to be completely honest like um there's been some people who have complained about the fact like um to to do with the the scrolling kind of bar but i think the thing is a lot of people don't like on a on a good number of the forums don't they don't have like the scroll bar area actually has a lot more in like involved in it than just being a scroll bar like there's a lot more that can be done with it that doesn't show on every single uh, every single thread 
so I think a, a lot of people when a lot of people kind of complain about the new forums with the scroll bar being like taking up a large proportion of the screen real estate I think a lot of people don't realize that that scroll bar in particular forums actually have has a lot more utilization uh, involved in it than just being the scroll bar right user interface improvements you know make a big difference um, another one that got announced coming up has to do with structures uh, this August, there are going to be some changes to structures, some fine tuning. And one of the things I'm excited about is um, structure deployment. You'll be able to place a structure, rotate it, and see what direction the uh, uh, the ships will exit in, uh, from. So you can get it lined up in the way that you want. I, I will make a plea out to CCP designers not to have make structures where the ships come out in two different directions because that's pretty nasty to line up. But um, it's kind of it, you know when I first started dropping structures from my alliance, uh, uh, what I would do is I would go and look at the the example version. And then I would start to drop it and look at this sort of wireframey version that they give me and try to rotate it to match what I was seeing with the example version on another uh, account. And I would try to line it up. And sometimes, a couple times, I got it up exactly perfectly opposite. So it went in the wrong direction. And then, you know, it's a week to take it down and put it back up. Very frustrating. I did. I had to drop a retardo this uh, week, and and I undocked with an other alt in Delve and set on the retardo to look how the model looked if I wanted to <laughs> write undock, etc. So that's how I solved that problem because I really didn't know where the uh, things are. And that's like a very good improvement. Same as like fueling, you don't have to have specific roles anymore outside taking control to fuel those citadels. That makes life so much easier. I would have done it a little bit differently. I would have given them a five-minute timer that said, if you don't like what you dropped in the first five minutes as it starts to deploy, you can pick it back up and turn it around. But, um, the, you know, this works too. This works too. Yeah. And they also did like a thing to the bombs, etc. I'm I'm not 100% convinced on the bomb changes. They they made like that launching bombs in a 40 seconds, uh, and the ranges are a bit smaller, especially for void bombs to 20 kilometers. But they did the amount of uh, cap they take is now uh, at instant 6,000 instead of 4,000. So it's still it it takes more cap away. It's less regular but it takes more cap away so i don't think it will have that much effect and on um well, it really takes, it takes away cap in a smaller area though it's only a 20 kilometer area of effect instead of a 40 kilometer area of effect for a void bomb and it does have the same range it used to it's just going to move the bomb will move slower but yeah, it will but yeah, but the alpha of the bomb, there's the amount of cap it drains. Uh, when the old bomb hit, it was 4,000, and now it's 6,000. Uh, because of the, it launches every 40 seconds, the amount it takes per second is lower. But if you get hit, the amount it takes down from you is higher. And I don't really like that part of it. Well, I think the, I think the idea of that is to be 
something that is avoidable by subcap fleets if they're looking out for it so long as they're looking out for it kind of thing so you know with the with it taking you know longer to um having on you know having a longer direct duration uh and yeah. a smaller area of effect so it's, it's still hard. Sub, it's... technically subcap groups should be able to avoid it if they're looking out for it but it becomes you know basically much more of a threat to actual capital but then again it's still mm -hmm. it's still hard to avoid it because if you really want to mess people up you just point a web the person who is getting bombed so he cannot warp off or really burn away so either you leave him alone and he gets killed or the whole fleet is still affected with it so it's it's still not brings the more like you still will see maybe a bit more other comps but you still see the same fleet comps for it to attack structures for now yeah i i don't know much about structures but can a structure point somebody as well as issue out the void bombs yes Okay, so basically what you're saying is it, it sounds like it may be that the operator of the, of the structure has to like click two buttons now and actually use two modules in order to kill one ship instead of like just like wipe out one. It's, still, it's, it's not more buttons, but uh, the uh, some people were talking about a tactic you can use if you get void bombed is just warp away because then the void bomb follows the one person and only hits that person and everybody around it. So what you can do with a bomb is warp away and then warp back. But if the operator from that citadel is knows a bit about the mechanic, what he will do is just point and web the person he bombs. So that person cannot warp away and is always affected with the bomb itself. And then either the fleet must all move away out of range of that person, what makes him more vulnerable, or they must uh, eat that bomb. <laughs> So, and I think because of you want to have your fleet complete and all together, is especially with big fleets that, that are flying in LSAC, if you see <laughs> numbers we're getting, uh, th then people will stay anchored up and it will stay still have the same effect, really. It, it, it has less, but still, it, it's still, um, I don't think it's enough of an improvement for big meta change for structure, uh, structure hiding, especially with uh, also, uh, and that's something Asher is less happy about is the kiting doctrines is like not possible because of the 250 kilometers web. So uh, it's pretty much impossible to get out of web range of a structure and still shoot it. And uh, if you are in range, then you just uh, put the anchor down and nobody can catch up and you kill that slowly. So you cannot really use fast doctrines on citadel shits so yeah i think it's the meta will it is better but I, I don't think it's enough to really change it there's still little still room for improvement in order to give a little bit of room uh for yeah. people to you know joust and kind of do their thing on grid and they made more changes than just to the void bombs. They also changed their anti-subcap missiles as well, where they increased the damage on them. Uh, maybe that's all they did was increase the damage on them to make up a little bit for nerfing the void bombs slightly. So it makes sense. I think. Yeah, they gave, I think fair they enough. Did. But like uh, you know, there's 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 a lot of 
trepidation it seems with uh, a lot of groups wanting to actually fight on well not on the same grid but in in basically that 250 kilometer kind of range of a citadel like at least you know from my experience there seems to be a lot of trepidation for people wanting to take fights there like unless it's a gank you know unless you're say ganking an aeon on a fortazar on dog for example <clears throat> we still have to see how it all goes and i understand they don't want to go too big too soon etc so i hope they uh, they watch it and like iterate on it in the next few months and if it really doesn't change another another thing they changed is um uh, improved usability for fueling your structure you know if you're driving your automobile you can see your your fuel tank and you've got a fuel gauge that tells you how much fuel you've got in it on any given just at a glance but you don't really have that on an uphill structure um you if you know what you're doing you got a character local you can go in and look inside it and you know dock up and go look at what's there or um you get a notification just before it runs out but, but you don't sort of, um, anywhere you are in EVE, have the ability to just pull up a rack of gauges to see what all your structures are at. Which, by the way, I'm not suggesting because it wouldn't scale very well. And, uh, but um, so they've, I've been caught before in a moment where I had nobody with the right roles in the right place to go and feel something. So I love that they're loosening a little bit and letting more people and more roles be able to fuel structures without having to just give them all lots of roles. I think yeah, because those extra, roles are, those extra roles are very risky because it's structure manager, you pretty much can do everything with the Citadel except transferring into another corp. And so that's a very risky move to give out those roles. So I'm very happy that everybody who can take control can now fuel the damn thing. That makes life so much easier. And they added corporation insurance in upwell structures. Um, I, you know, I didn't actually know this existed until uh, reading this dev blog. I didn't realize that a, a corporation could insure ships, hand them out to people, and if it died, the money went back to the corporation instead of to the individuals. Did you guys know about this? Well, PL had a, I don't know whether they still do it, but they had a, a long run or a long stint where like their doctrine ships, they handed out to their members before and op, you know, from a corporation hangar kind of thing, from a, from a hangar. Um, that I, I, I mean, I imagine they probably insured it, you know, insured it in that sort of same manner. Um, I mean, I haven't been in an alliance where they have where most of your ships you know line ships uh, are actually given out to you but i do we do have like certain sh like certain specific ships that are you know designed to be handed out and i'm quite glad that you can actually you know you can ensure them uh, especially in citadels now so that's really awesome any of you experienced that kind of you know level of uh, communism, I would say, like in any. Well, yeah, lots of lots of handout ships face communism. Absolutely, 
um, including things like, you know, dreadnoughts in dreadnought caches, for example. Um, but but I didn't see anything happening on the subject of insurance other than the FC would tell you if you were instructed to insure your dread before a particular op. And honestly, the last time we did one of those big hot drops and, and um, passed out dreads to everybody in a dread cache, I was the only one to come back alive with this dread and give it back. Well, as, as CEO guys. of a corporation as well, you probably wouldn't mind, uh, you know, having all of those corp insurances, like, you know, the wallet suddenly starts flashing when uh, people start dying. <laughs> be like the, yeah, uh, the silver um, lining of the cloud, right? This particular, uh, yeah, war thing that may or may not be starting this deployment could end up being very expensive for the Bastion. So, <laughs> and we're not wealthy like Goon Swarm. <laughs> no, let me get this will be good. Yeah, good stuff. But as part of some of these um, adjustments to upwell structures, there's a side effect happening on the old passes that we that are officially called star bases. Those passes are losing their industry bonuses starting sometime in August. Now, if you've already started a job um, before the day the change goes into effect, your job will continue at its current bonuses until it completes, not a problem. That's good. But you won't be able to start a new one with a bonus. It will just be a bare, it would be as if it were a bare naked functionality with zero bonuses to it. So you're gonna to wanna to do it in a upwell structure instead. Oh, okay. But if you're making a motion picture and you just wanna video it and you know, you've know you got some kind of um, historical or nostalgic reason why you wanna be able to you know, build or do something in a, in a POS, you can do. You just, um, also you're gonna to have to find one that's already up because I don't think you can deploy any of those structures anymore. You can deploy a Starbase, but you can't put the reprocessing arrays up or the uh, uh, super capital ship assembly arrays, if I got that word right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not entirely certain, but you can still put them up. I do remember not too long ago actually seeing a crazy picture of someone having a CS, uh, uh, SCSAA or how, whatever the abbreviation is um, up in, I, it was either a medium or a small pause, which was just ridiculous because it only just fit into that pause. That's supposed to be a hint from you to you from the game. Don't do this. Yeah, just like this. This this might not be too. You know, this might not be the good idea. It, actually, I think it, I don't think it was an SS. Uh, I don't think it was a uh, assembly array. It may have been a. Um, was, what was the other one? Which looks pretty much exactly like it, right? Oh, uh, the the one uh, super cap. Uh... Maintenance, maintenance, but maintenance array or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. I, it was probably. I think it was either an SCSAA or a, a super cap maintenance bay. When I see someone who puts a, a an undersized pos and puts that in, I really want to be back there for when the ship comes out of build, because I'm pretty sure they won't know tricks like 
which way to have your ship pointed when you do remove the job from the structure because it will make their Titan or, or super carrier bounce out and go off into space in the wrong direction because they don't know what they're doing. And if you're there in an interceptor, you can get a free ship. Free ship. Perfectly free ship. Yeah, you kind of like, and that's probably one of the really good things about uh, having that uh, uh, lineup exiting, um, like indication when you're dropping a, uh, a citadel now, is that you can actually probably see that direction. So if you point that at your uh, keep star, for example, you can eject it, grab it, and then just insta warp straight to your keep and like. Uh, the, the new way is like you just finish the job and the job and the damn thing just gets in your ship hangar and then you trade it to the pilot that can sit in the, in your uh, Titan and then you can undock and never dock, dock in the uh, studio again. But like that's not the biggest issue because it's a longer off range that you tether on it safely, but you can just fit the ship completely and sit in it before you undock. So it's, it doesn't have like the old way of uh, launching out of a pass and making sure you catch it fast enough etc anymore so uh, yeah that uh, bit of that is gone but it makes your life so much easier when you get the titan another thing that changed is um well is changing in august is this is the ui for doing moon scans like if you want to know what fancy moon mining options are available on your moon and send this. Go ahead. Actually, that's kind of funny. Like, who here actually has run moon surveys in the current system? Like, I'd love to know. I, I, I have. You I have. have. You have Apple, have you? Uh, no. You haven't. Okay, fair enough. Um, Falcon, but I'm, I'm... have you ever run uh, surveys on moons before at all? Yeah, I've done it a few times um, back, uh, way back when. Way, way back when. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember doing uh, a bunch when I was in recon and uh, scouts and stuff like that. So yeah, I've, I've, I've definitely done my fair share of it. I'm and definitely. And the current UI hasn't changed in a long time for those moon probes, have they? No, no. I actually, um, I don't think it's changed. Uh, I don't think it's changed since it was introduced, bar in a few little iterations. So this is a big overhaul for. I think they, so yeah, it's, I think the they, old system was. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. I think they may have. They. I think the the only thing that really changed is I think they made it so you they they did change one aspect of it where you could actually like after you dropped the probe, but you hadn't got the results. Uh, they did change it so you could actually jump system uh, and you'd still receive the results because previously like you had to stay in the system to get the results and if you left the system you didn't get the results which was really aggravating yeah that was that was like the most annoying thing when i found uh, out when i was doing it um it's just gonna make and i, I guess they need to do it because since they're doing the, the whole uh moon goo redistribution it's gotta be, you gotta be able to like find all that the where all the moon goo is now and fairly quickly to make sure that the economy isn't disrupted that much. 
And to be, and there to are be... only like 4,000 moons in Delft to scan, so that's only Delft, and they have all the other regions. Exactly, and I think if you're going to be changing changing up moon, like, you know, obviously doing the, the moon mining changes, um, and you're obviously going to be, you know, redistributing in a kind of sort of weighted random kind of way all the way around you're basically forcing people into you into you know spending time with a certain mechanic so you, it's probably a good idea to make sure that mechanic doesn't make you want to sort of you know go throw yourself off a bridge and stuff like that so I'm, I'm very glad to see that changes are coming to it But I'll do it when it comes out. I'll try it. it looks like fun. Oh, I'll definitely pitch in. Yeah. Well, I, I'm like looking at uh, at my Losec uh, region and going around I, I, just to see if anybody's going to maybe put up uh, a moon mining operation because it's be, it would be fun to actually do a little ninja mining of that uh, moon goo. You're going to want to know where your opportunities are likely to occur. So, you you know, you have to go and check. I wonder how many people are going to, like, try and fake uh, moons. Like, try and, you know, sort of put put up pauses and stuff like that. Or, you know, well, put up uh, the new refineries. Like, actually, that's the thing. Like, because a lot of people uh, would put up, like, small, regular, large, like, small, medium, and large sort of pauses to... Uh, gather the moon materials, but like you always, you, you could always tell which ones were the 32s and 64s because people would put a hell of a lot more into defending or putting, you know, hardening that pot up kind of thing. So, you, you know, you, you could almost go around Norsex system and be like, okay, well, that, you know, that large faction pass with a bajillion guns on it hardened to crap and has a uh, moon mining array on it might very well be a 32 slash 64 whereas like i mean i is there a difference in size like is there multiple different sizes in the new refineries i'm not entirely certain i thought there were two different um two different sizes of the refineries yes two yeah there are mediums and larges or something like that because I was wondering, because one of the other aspects of putting up uh, new pauses uh, or mining uh, moon mining pauses is, especially when it's not a, a 60, 64 or 32, is you're always trying to look at the offset of maintaining and running that pause uh, over and above the uh, amount of this that you're going to get out of that, you know, via moon goo and stuff. So I'm kind of wondering whether the... Um, medium pulse will actually be functional to a certain degree with the low, like lower tier R16s or maybe R8s. I'm kind of expect. I'm kind of expecting those to be used in uh, low sec, just because you you may not want to actually risk that. You know, the the, the larger size. While the larger size, you know, since like in null sec, you have bubbles better intelligence uh, networks and stuff like that, it might be safer to use the larger ones in null. 
That's true. Yeah. I have a feeling that's going to be the case. I've got a feeling that the way that it's going to work is the vast majority of the um, the mediums are going to be used in, in low sec, uh, mainly by kind of smaller corps and alliances that don't hold sov, who want to uh, who want to moon mine, and then sort of like the the larges are going to be the ones that are used by null sec alliances who can protect their infrastructure and block it a lot easier to prevent them being attacked. I mean that kind of seems the logical way to do it, and I think uh, I, obviously I don't want to speak for them, but I think. Like kind of um, the game design team are thinking along those lines as well uh, to give sort of the little guys uh, a leg up and to be able to to use something smaller that takes less investment and is going to cost less money. So when you lose it, it's not going to be as big of a financial hit to you. I think also it depends on what the uh, stats are on those structures. If it's really worth to put a large on the moon, or if it's just enough for mining to put a medium on it and. Uh, just put larges in other places where you can do the uh, refining and uh, and all the moon to, uh, goo alchemy and all those kind of things. Uh, it, it really, I think it's really uh, looking into that. I, I know for our crop we are just going to get some uh, mediums just to give people the opportunity to mine something and see how it goes from there. So are you looking forward right, to... Uh, Falcon, are you looking forward to actually potentially, uh, you know, being part of doing, like, not the passive kind of moon mining, but the uh, the soon-to-be active kind of moon mining? Or at least talking part yeah, I mean, like, for me, I think it's been a change that's a long time coming. I think that it's a little bit controversial because... Uh, a lot of people basically don't like mining and don't like mining mechanics because yeah it can for some people it can be pretty boring um but i think uh you know you get a big group of industrialists out there chewing through the rocks that you pull out of a moon it's going to create some interesting content definitely i mean i don't mind personally um i'm uh, i'm more involved in other stuff in game uh but i think for those guys who really enjoy industry and enjoy kind of the social side of mining and just getting together having a few beers and shooting the shit while you chew through rocks it's going to give people a little bit more content um and i think kind of the the passive version of moon mining has really been kind of flawed for a long time it's um it's been a big isk faucet that's been like you know whack a structure up press a button receive isk uh, effectively so it's been something that really has needed to be addressed for a long time in my eyes at least well speaking of uh, what kinds of eve gameplay you participate in Let's switch over to the subject of, do CCP employees play EVE all around us? Uh, contrary to popular belief, we certainly do, yes. <laughs> I guess I know. Uh, tell, tell us for a moment, let's say one of us were to join uh, CCP uh, uh, as a, as a full-time staff member, and we've got existing EVE accounts. What are the rules for us coming in? What, what will happen to us? So it kind of depends a little bit. Uh, the second stage kind of depends a little bit on what you what you do in game. But the first stage is you'll uh, you know you come in, you have your usual company introduction where you go through like everything to do with the company, um, and then what actually happens is for the first six months of your employment, your existing accounts get banned, um, so you can't access them, um, and you basically start as a rookie. So you get um, as an employee, you get five free accounts, um, and on top of that, each of those accounts has multiple character training enabled, so you have 10 training queues basically um and then from there um 
what you do is you just start fresh. So it gives you kind of an appreciation of what it's like to be a rookie and what it's like to go through the first stages of the game again. And for me, I mean, I'd been playing since release. Actually, I'd been playing since beta. So like having all of my stuff taken away um, and starting fresh really give me an appreciation for like what new players go through when they join the game 10 years on. And it's tough. It really is. It's, it, it's tough to kind of reset the clock after like 10 years. So that's the the interesting stage then after six months um what they do is uh, you'll have a sit down with uh, with our wonderful internal affairs department, uh, namely CCV Arcanon. Um, and he'll basically like, he'll take a look at your accounts, what you were doing, where you were playing. And if you were a very, very prominent player um, and you're well known, I, I used to be a, a, a mouthy little son of a bitch when I was an EVE player. So I was pretty well known. I was prominent. I'd done a lot of work on the Alliance tournament in the past. Um, basically, if you're really prominent, then what happens is internal affairs will say okay you can't uh, you can't play as your original character for reasons of potential bias favoritism you know you might be harassed that kind of stuff um so you end up basically um going into what's known internally funnily as witness protection uh where you um you you get the option to clone your characters so you transfer your skill points to a new character you get a fresh name clean employment history and you play the game anonymously um and the best part about this is they actually sort of move all your assets to one place for you so you get a fresh start um and you basically are then just dumped into the game and it's like okay have a good one go and play the game and have fun very nice that's pretty cool uh, do are there rules for how ccp employees can play eve are there parts of the game they can't play for example um, there are no parts of the game that you really can't play. Um, I mean, you can pretty much do whatever you want, but uh, we're generally sort of encouraged to stay away from like the gray areas of the game. So stuff like um, scamming, that kind of stuff, ripping people off, um, that side of things. Um, while it's not prohibited, it's generally kind of frowned upon if we're running around as employees, creating a crap load of support tickets or potentially making people quit the game. Uh, so we're, act we're asked to kind of like keep in line and not be dicks too much to players. Uh, but other than that, um, we're kind of loose in terms of restrictions. I mean, it's uh, as far as I'm aware, at least, it's acceptable, for instance, for us to be capital and super capital pilots. It's, it's, it's acceptable for you to be a member of a NullSec alliance. I mean, be involved with um kind of be involved with um you know large-scale fleet battles stuff like that but it's generally frowned upon uh, to be in kind of a position of political power or a position where you uh, can really heavily influence the matter of the game or politics in the game because uh, we like to kind of leave that to you guys not to interrupt here but just ironically i've got uh, eyes open in a certain system in nullsite and there was just a skirmish on the gate and uh, some ships died and i can see the side that won are talking to each other in local in icelandic and, uh, <laughs> and you know i lived there and i took classes for a year and a half and i can understand what they're saying and uh and they're one saying hey do you know do you want to take some of the loot that just dropped and the other said yeah I'll talk and the other one said you know warp over to you know the to me and blah 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 you know take it from my fleet hangar I'm like well wonder if they're CCP employees that's pretty ballsy to be talking in Icelandic and local bro <laughs> 
Yeah, it's um, that's kind of one of the challenges that challenges that we face as CCP. Is I mean, for instance, it's it. I think it's kind of worse for sort of the expats who move to Iceland, because you know you turn up. For instance, I turn up on TeamSpeak or on Discord or whatever. I've got an Icelandic IP address, but yeah, I can't exactly hide this Northeast English accent. So it's like, okay, a guy from Northeast England playing from Iceland, playing EVE Online in a country of 330,000 people. There's kind of, you know, there's a good, decent chance that this guy works for CCP. So there's, yeah, I mean, there's certain things that's like, uh, that are super super difficult to work with in our terms it can be really difficult to kind of stay anonymous uh so yeah there's all kinds of like vpn trickery and all kinds of ridiculousness that sometimes we have to do to stay anonymous which can be a bit of a ball ache which reminds me when i like started discovering the like the meta game behind the meta game of eve online i was like oh my god this is just far too involved for me i'm out kind of thing but uh yeah i mean as you said it's kind of it can be kind of obviously quite awkward and quite difficult to sort of disguise whether you're actually a you know a ccp employee playing from iceland um do you guys get you know access to premium you know voice changer software that kind of stuff <laughs> that's not part of our employment benefits no <laughs> well what do you do if you get discovered um so if you get discovered then it's really unfortunate generally you'll go into double witness protection where you'll get a rename uh, and you'll get uh, you'll basically lose a character um so it can be super unfortunate i know there's been a couple of people in the past who've been super sad because like for for one reason or another um a player has found out about the identity of their their character and they've outed them to a few people and then obviously it becomes an issue and uh, and um and we have to be uh we have to be expunged so to speak uh so we we kind of lose the character um and we lose the progress and everything related to it and we have to take a rename and go through the whole process again which is kind of can be a pain um I know some CCPers as well find it difficult to join corporations too, because like, you know, some of the super extensive background checking and stuff like that you have to go through can really hamper getting into a corporate alliance, especially when sort of you kind of get the Spanish Inquisition before you join, given the paranoia of EVE players. Uh, so it can be, yeah, it can be kind of troublesome in that respect, and it can be a real challenge to actually get into a, a decent-sized corporate alliance. That's pretty crazy. I love the idea of the witness protection inception. <laughs> Let's look at it from the other point of view for a second. Instead of the point of view of the employee, the point of view of, of us gamers out there, what if we think someone is a CCP employee playing incognito? What should we do? Um, best advice is just keep your mouth shut about it. I mean, like, you know, there's there's a lot of CCPers out there who absolutely, well, the, everyone who works on the EVE project loves EVE. Um, and it's, and the vast majority of us play it too. And it's like, it's nice to be able to learn about the game. It's nice to be able to keep up with current affairs. It's really good to be in a corporation alliance where you can actually play with game mechanics. You can be sat in corporate alliance chat and you can listen to people and learn um, and judge sentiment around features, that kind of stuff. So it is very much a learning experience for us. Um, I mean, I find myself sort of, if I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm mainly involved in like factional warfare. Um, and I also do a little bit of like NullSec PVP roaming around that kind of stuff now and again. Uh, 
when I get a chance to play. Um, and it's a case of um, it's really nice for me to be able to like look in like various channels that I'm sat in uh, and to hear things uh, and just to like listen and say, yeah, well, this is an issue. This is an issue. This is just people complaining. Um, and I've even gone to the point where I've been playing and I've been like, oh, I'll um, you know, I'll I'll go and I'll like I'll ping someone an email about this because it's a problem kind of thing. Um, so we we discover things that way as well. Uh, but yeah, for a for a player who thinks that someone might be a dev, uh, definitely I think the the best thing to do is is like keep it just keep it quiet keep it to yourself kind of thing uh because you know if you start shooting your mouth off about it it's the same as i guess kind of if there was a famous person playing eve and all of a sudden like you know we find out that like i don't know like anthony hopkins or morgan freeman or samuel l jackson or something like that is playing um is playing eve then they would just get inundated with crap basically they'd have a million and one eve mails coming out their ears they'd have stuff that was entirely unrelated to the game um coming their way i mean for instance you know i'm i'm playing eve if people found out who my player character was i'd have like a million messages and this has happened before uh where it's like you know wow you know can you deal with my support ticket can you answer questions about this and i'm like no i'm yeah. kind of on my downtime and i'm playing the game and i just want to actually experience the game and play eve so it's a little bit selfish from our point of view i guess that like we just want to kind of relax and unwind and play the game uh but yeah it can be pretty disruptive if you get out at or someone finds out about you or you know all of a sudden you've got people who are kind of chasing you around in game that kind of thing so yeah it's, yeah. it's best to keep it incognito no, i i think that's good now if you've got a, if you've got a group of people who are ccp employees who are all playing incognito and trying to keep it that way how much do you know about what other CCP devs are doing? Do you have a, do you have much insight into what parts of the game they're playing in, or only if they're in your corp or something like that? Oh yeah, I mean it's pretty it's pretty open at work. I mean most people most people have like either two or three monitors uh, at their workstations at work, and like nine times out of ten, you know you'll walk past people's desk and at, l at lunchtime like maybe someone's playing League of Legends, maybe someone's playing Heroes of the Storm, someone's diving into like Battlegrounds or whatever. Um, people are playing like Hearthstone, all kinds of stuff. Uh, there's like people start playing Civ on Steam. <laughs> you know, it's it's like there's such a random mix of gamers at CCP, um, and generally you'll find the people are working on two monitors and then the third one has like a twitch stream on it or something you know they're playing like some kind of passive game or something like that while they're working so and more often than not as well like i'll go down to like talk to the customer support team or i'll go over to game design and someone will be like mining or running missions or whatever on a third display while they're actually actively working so there's definitely a big culture of gaming at ccp um and there's a lot of people who do actually just sort of idly play and do the passive stuff uh while they're uh, while they're um you know while they're working at work so yeah i mean it's um it pretty people are pretty open about it um i know we've you know we've had corporations in the past where there's been a group of ccps play together and they've been doing like factional warfare or they've been out on a wormhole or they've been like a small cop that's roaming around in null sec that kind of stuff um so yeah i mean we're pretty open about it um and generally we're not going to go out and sort of like out our own colleagues that kind of thing um 
So yeah, it's it's pretty relaxed in the office, and we're we're actually heavily encouraged to play the game and get involved with the game. So it's um it's nice to see it. I've even seen like guys who work down in customer support suicide gank each other, for instance. Uh, like one guy is sat mining with a group of barges and high sec, um, and another two guys on the opposite side of the department will walk a couple of apocalypses in and just smop on them all uh, and just kill them. So I've actually seen like people at CCB griefing each other in game live in the office uh so it's yeah it can be super interesting um and it's fun you know and we we do love to play the game so it's nice to be able to kind of relax and unwind i remember once going between two meetings at ccp when i was a dev and um i'm walking with ccp soundwave and he's um and he said wait wait let's stop by my desk for a second i want to check something so we walk up to his desk, and he's he's got Eve open on one monitor, um, and he's checking that. I go, what are you checking? He goes, um, I'm moving shipments uh, through HiSec in a freighter, and I wanted to see if it had arrived at its destination yet. And um, uh, it's not it's not there yet. It's taken some time. I go, you're you're autopiloting a freighter through HiSec. And you're not even at your desk, you're in meetings. He goes, yeah, I do it all the time. Never, I never get killed. And that, that, that boggled never. my mind. Yep, that's, that's incredibly dumb, but it works. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, like I've seen, I've seen CCP as appear on killboards in spectacular kill mills before, and that is one of the beautiful benefits of having anonymity. Is that if we do fuck up, then it's that kind of, it's not like law lot with CCP Falcon or something like that. It's like you can just sort of whistle and walk away, which is that's one really, really nice thing. Just there quietly chuckling to yourself if you see you're like an eight, uh, awesome loss of the day kind of thing come up and you kind of like, I recognize that name. <laughs> I, I will say that in the last five years of playing Eve, I have appeared on Reddit at least once in a really stupid kill mail. Um, and I've been like, ah, anonymous, you know, <laughs> sucks to be me. It's, uh, you know, it's fun. And I can just, you know, I just see like people just ripping it out of me and I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm anonymous. So it's, it's nice. It's okay. I don't have to worry about this. It won't tar and feather me. Nice. Now, as, as a dev is playing anonymously though, is there or is there not someone checking up on them behind the scenes, just in case? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, um, obviously, everyone remembers what happened with the whole T20 thing. Um, you know, it's one of those things that will never go away. It's always going to be something that will be in the background. And I'm always like, I'm, I never shy away from talking about this kind of stuff. It's just something that happened. It's part of history, and we have to deal with it. Um, but since then, there's... Um, it, it's kind of funny because nothing like that actually f happens now. It's It's been something that's been drilled into CCP employees over the course of the years. But it's, um, it's one of those things where we do get audited regularly. I think it's like it's it, – it might actually be, um, it's bi-weekly or monthly, I think. And um, it's one of those things where, you know, the internal affairs team will go in, they'll just basically audit people accounts. They'll, um, they'll, they'll take a look to make sure that you're not doing anything untoward, make sure that you're not, for instance, using insider information to trade early on the market, that kind of stuff. Um, and they just keep a close eye on us and make sure that we're not doing anything crazy. Um, and if it does occur that, you know, something has happened, um, then it's generally sort of, 
internal affairs will contact you they'll be like hey you know what's uh what's been going on with this uh what's happened with this that or the other and you just basically explain yourself for instance uh one thing to show you how on point our uh our um internal affairs team are uh, back when we were creating the uh, diplomatic shuttle um for the csm celebration for the 10th anniversary uh the concord frigate that's that's actually a shuttle um i was uh, sat with ccp lilu and we deciding what skin we wanted to put on it what color we wanted it to be and i couldn't get the um in-game preview like the the window in game to display properly and the lighting was really bad in it so i couldn't really see the hues on the uh on the ship so i was sat in polaris in my uh on my dev character just looking at them and i was like ah screw it i'll just spawn them uh so i just in my hangar in polaris outside of the, like the actual game environment the players play i was like i spawned all the different colors of the hull, and i was like should we use this one should we use this one should we use this one we selected one and then i was like great let's use that one send it to the art team let's get it scored Right away get the request and we'll get it made um, and i thought nothing of it and i like logged out of eve i went home um, and the next morning like 9 30 a.m i get a message from ccv arcanon and he's like why is the concord frigates in your hangar on uh, on on tq and i'm like oh god i yeah i spawned them yesterday for this totally forgot about it um and yeah i'll delete them now it's no worries at all he's like yeah no worries just let me know in future if you're going to spawn things and i'm like yeah no problem so it's one of those things where it's kind of kind of stuff like that happens now and again i've had it happen quite a few times when i've been organizing live events and we're you know we're spawning 30 super capitals to fit them to get them ready for an event there's titans flying around all kinds of stuff so it's really really closely audited there's all kind of like automatic pings set up to make sure that internal affairs know when certain things are created that kind of stuff so it's very very it's super close monitoring um and it's like i'm pretty convinced that like if anything untoward did happen, it would be taken care of in like two or three hours. Like they would know about it uh, at a bare minimum, probably sooner. So yeah, I mean, it's we are very, very closely monitored and very, very closely audited, but I don't feel like it's intrusive. Um, it's just something that we deal with as players. And if you're doing, you know, if you're playing the game regularly and you're not doing anything sketchy, then it's nothing to worry about. So I don't mind having CCV Arcanon kind of looking over my shoulder when I'm playing. I think it's perfectly fine. And I think it's acceptable to you know to maintain the integrity of the game and if he sees you i mean he will know that that spectacular loss was you but he keeps his mouth shut he's great about that yeah i mean like we generally have kind of an unwritten rule um at uh, at the company where we don't you know we obviously don't like spy on each other we don't look at each other we can't obviously spy on anyone else uh we can't use internal tools to look things up that kind of stuff there's super strict um sort of um limitations on what we can do um and that also you know that's also monitored by internal affairs you know if we start looking at um if we start looking at accounts that sort of stuff then it's like well, why are you looking at this i mean i've had for instance when i've had to solve community tickets um like and i've been looking at like credit and people plex for events that kinds of stuff and occasionally you'll get an email from internal affairs and it'll be like uh okay why were you looking at this guy's account and i'm like oh yeah i was just adding plex to him for an event or something like that um and so it's it's really closely monitored and they make sure that they keep us in check but um again i don't think it's intrusive it's just one of those things where day by idea you've got to be kept an eye on a little bit to make sure that everything's peachy there was a, uh, i'll tell one more story from my background i 
had heard all about the T20 thing and all that, but it was like, it was more of like a massive story thing from the past and, uh, and everyone follows this, uh, I don't know, follows these rules now. It wasn't really real to me until one day, um, some of us were meeting up on a Saturday morning in Prikis uh, to get breakfast. And we're actually, I think we were just at the get coffee stage or something. We were going to go somewhere and we're standing in the, in the, near the bar. And a guy comes up, starts talking to a couple of them, of the people in the group. I was talking to a different employee uh, on the side. And then he finishes and he walks away. And one of the people next to me goes, do you know who that was? I don't know. That's <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, he's a real person? And he's still in Reykjavik and all this stuff? And uh, my mind was blown at that moment right? because it was a, uh, a collision between the, the legends of these stories from the past and the fact that people still walk around on Earth. It's very funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is It is one of those things. Uh, yeah, there's, there's real people behind all of these avatars. There's like, you know, there's a real person behind CCP Tuxford for accidentally shutting down TQ. Um, there's, you know, real person uh, behind Tom B. There's a real person behind every Devi alias. Um, and yeah, T20, is, it's a lovely guy, really nice guy. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things that happened when I like, I like to say personally when the company was kind of young and dumb and there weren't like a lot of policies in place for this kind of of stuff and a lot of the stuff that we were doing with Eve was kind of new ground it was unknown it wasn't really a something that had been done in the MMO industry before so yeah I think the maybe the company at that point in its life cycle was a little bit more naive than it is now um, and you know it's something that you you learn and you grow from um, and we've grown now into a company because of that 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 has sort of like some serious policies in place and some serious uh, like some serious audit and that kind of stuff just to make sure that everything stays above board and with Eve being so competitive you really do need that I don't begrudge internal affairs for making sure that things are kept in line because you know there's there's um there's a lot of you know damage you could do or there's a lot of um sort of disruption that you could cause if you were to do something untoward um I think kind of everyone at CCP accepts that they know that they've seen what's happened in the past the T20 thing being a, a perfect case of this and we just you know we we run a straight ship now and that's the way that it is and I think yeah it's it's for the better What, what I'm wondering, have you ever heard about uh, people not taking a job at CCP because they have to give up their EVE life? Yeah, I, I've heard of this on occasion. Um, it took me six years to finally take the plunge, quite frankly. Um, I was first talking about joining CCP and I, you know, I, I spoke to HR and, uh, and, um, and I, I was, you know, I was talking about coming to Iceland back in 06. Um, and then for various reasons, um, at the time, uh, my, my dad wasn't doing too well. He's great now, but he was, he was in a bad way with his health back then. Um, that plus the fact that I was having so much fun in Eve, I just found my corporation a year earlier and I was like you know what I'm not ready to make that step I just want to I just want to hang back I want to play the game and I want to do my thing um, fan, uh, 2006 is my first fan fest as well so I kind of got really ingrained in the community back then too 
um, and I just sort of, I took a step back, took a breath, and I was like, I'm not ready to make that transition. Um, and it took six years through till 2012 uh, before I before I actually took the plunge and I joined the company. And yeah, I mean, for me, it was it was really honestly, it, it sounds a bit. It sounds a bit like I'm kind of a little bit of a soft bitch when I say it, but um, it was um, it was a gut wrenching experience to leave back to leave behind like kind of you know ten years worth of legacy, ten years worth of friendships, ten years worth of wingmen, um, and just like to have to start fresh. It was a really really big decision, um, and it was yeah it was a gut wrenching experience, but it was one of those things where I look back on it five years later and I still have all those friends, all those guys who were members of my corporation all those guys i flew with i spoke with sure they know me by a different name now but i still have all those friends i still have all those experiences um and i think it was the best thing that i could have done at the time so yeah and then funnily enough uh, i actually a little bit of an anecdote surrounding that um because i was so ingrained in the community uh, I, when i had my six month meeting with ccb arcanon he was like you know you've really surprised me and i was like what do you mean he's like and i remember him saying i honestly didn't think you would make the transition i thought you would have quit because of like because of how ingrained i was in the community um um, and it was, yeah, it was one of those things. And I think a few people at CCP have experienced it where, you know, you join the company, you've been an EVE player, you've been pretty prominent and you almost get like a little bit of cabin fever where you're like, have I kind of made the right decision? Like, I really miss playing the game the, the way that I used to. I miss all my old friends. Have I made the right call? And I had that about a year into playing where I was like, shit, have I kind of, have I done the right thing? You know, I was, I was in a job in the UK. I've uprooted everything. I've moved out here. Like I've lost everything I worked for, for like 10 years in EVE. Um, have I made the right call? And then after a couple of days of kind of soul searching, I was like, yeah, you know what, screw it. I made the right decision. Um, and you just you just go from there. But there is always that kind of that initial doubt about whether you're doing the right thing. Um, but yeah, for me, I mean, it was it, it felt like a no brainer at the time. I had that little bit of doubt after about a year or so. And now I'm just kind of super chill about the whole thing. I mean, I'm, I'm having fun. So it's all good. <laughs> It's definitely good to know that uh, CCP employees are enjoying, you know, enjoying the game and, you know, uh, at least to some extent, you know, making sure that they're, uh, well, maybe not affecting the game, but having fun with the game, you know, because that's one, that's one of the kind of things that I think from a player's perspective that you always kind of get a little bit concerned about with, uh, you know, the developers. Uh, of any kind of uh, of any particular game genre, sort of getting disenfranchised with the the, the actual product that they're, that they're, that they're developing. So it's really good to know that yeah. you guys are in there. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I'm sure that if you ask any CCP developer, they'll say, I don't play as much as I used to. That's even true for me because, you know, when you work on E for eight hours a day and then you go home, sometimes you just want to do something else. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're a little bit burned out. You've been, you know, you've been coding all day or you've been working on design documents. Or in my case, you've been dealing with community for eight hours for a full day. I mean, sometimes I have days that are 10, 12, 13, 14 hours long in the office just because I love what I do. Like, I don't begrudge the fact 
fact that I spend that amount of time on it. And then you just come home and it's like, you know what? I'm not going to log in today. I'm just going to chill out and I'm going to play some Heroes or some Hearthstone or I'm going to play some Civ or whatever. Um, and you just do something else. So I think that, yeah, a lot of devs would say I play less than I used to as a player, um, but they're still involved. And I think as well, some of our some of our designers, I would imagine, would probably, and some of our programmers maybe would probably say, I'd like to be able to play EVE a little bit more, less restricted. I'd like to be able to get into kind of the dirty side of things and... I'd like to be able to do X, Y, or Z, but I can't because, you know, it's it's sort of, it's something that we can't really do without sort of um, drawing the eye of Sauron on us kind of thing. Um, but What yeah, about if there's an employee who actually has a legitimate need to observe or participate or see some of that, some kind of gameplay, can there be an exception? Can they go talk to CCPR Canon in advance? Yeah, I mean, like one thing, one thing that like people really, I think for employees who first come to the company, and this was the same for me, when I first came to the company, internal affairs was the scariest department in the world. They were like, um, it was like, yeah, it was literally, it felt like the eye of Sauron looking down on you. And you were like, holy shit, I don't want to do anything that's going to kind of like sort of anger the beast. Uh, but when you sort of settle in and you start just talking to IE and you get to know the guys, the security team are a lovely group of guys. Um, and if you've ever got any issues or you want clarifications on something or you need to do something in game, um, just because you're, you're on a little bit of a learning experience, you can just go downstairs, talk to them. They're super approachable and things get worked out. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's it's super easy going in that respect. And I don't think there's ever any restrictions where we're like, no, human, not do this. This is the devil and you can't do it. It's like, it's sort of, if you're going to do anything that might be a little bit sketchy um, or might sort of put the put the, the, the all seeing eye on you, then you'll want to talk to IE in advance and make sure that everything's okay. Uh, but generally, as long as it's not something that will be classed as untoward, then you're all good. Um, Arcanon is not a monster, contrary to popular belief. He's a lovely guy. Uh, also, if you are by any chance considering um, uh, a career at CCP, and this is on your mind, this I'll have to give up my characters and start all over and be incognito and I won't be able to talk to all my posse that you know I normally talk to all day. Um, then let me give you an opposite experience for a moment that will make you feel better about about the CCP path. Uh, when I helped launch Age of Conan, I didn't uh, I didn't uh, have uh, we didn't have internal affairs. We weren't required to be incognito. Uh, a few, I, my close friends all knew what character I was playing. They told their friends, they've told their friends, and it didn't take, uh, it didn't take three days. The game was up three days, and I was constantly, anytime I logged in, receiving requests for, my friend got banned, I can't get this to work. I tried to teleport, I got killed. Uh, my other friend got banned. I mean, it was like that constantly. It was all tech support and no gameplay uh, and totally regretted that. Uh, 
I totally regretted that. This is a better system. It absolutely yeah, is. Yeah, it is. I mean, from my point of view, I actually tried playing um, in 2013, 2014. I did a little bit of an experiment because it was like, I wonder what it would be like to actually play outward. Um, and it was to the point where because of the sandbox nature of Eve, it was that kind of stuff. It was like, as soon as I logged the character into the game, I was getting like invites to join corporations. I was getting Eve mails about support tickets. I was getting all kinds of stuff. And I'm not ashamed to say that I lasted like 12 hours of gameplay before I was like, fuck this. I'm just like going back to being incognito. Um, and I binned that character off because it was like, it wasn't necessarily like, that I was begrudging having like uh, having people contact me. I mean, I do that day to day. Every day I get a million and one messages about, I got banned for RMT or I got this or I got that or the other. Please help me. And I'm like, dude, I can't assist you file a support ticket. Like, but to have that when you're just like kind of actively trying to play the game and chill out on your downtime, it can be a bit of a pain. Um, and yeah, I mean, because of the sandbox nature of going back to the point as well, because of the sandbox nature, box nature of Eve's gameplay, it was to the point where everywhere I went, I had people taking pot shots at me in high sec, low sec, null sec. Everyone wanted to be on a kill mail for a CCP devs character. So I couldn't get anything done. Like it didn't matter what I did when I undocked, it was like, lol, I killed Falcon again. And I'm like, yeah, this is just not for me because just like any other Eve player, when we play the game, we are entirely unprotected. We get no special privileges. Our training works the same as yours does. Our aggression flagging works the same as yours does. We are just as unprotected. So being outed just means that you get like the microscope put on you by fellow players and you end up just being like, for want of a better phrase, ganked to shit constantly. And it's like, it can be a really big problem and it really hampers your enjoyment of the game. And I experienced this. And like I said, I, I only lasted about 12 hours before I was like, yep, I'm going incognito again. Um, and yeah, I live streamed a couple of those sessions and it was to the point where like before Inception was out uh, and I was running through tutorial missions, I couldn't even get tutorial missions finished without people suicide ganking me. So I'm like, yeah, this is just not for me sort of thing. It was, it was super difficult. And that's not like a blight on the game or the community or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's, it's more about the, um, the completely like unrestricted gameplay that you have in terms of being able to blow shit up. Yeah. That's like the Lord British, uh, experience that happened in, uh, in beta in, uh, Ultima online where, uh, somebody was able to kill Richard Garriott when they really shouldn't have. And that was a big uh, event in gaming history. Yep. I think I'm a bit too young for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks not, for making I me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, we're going to have to start wrapping up because we're at the end of our time. Actually, we went over a little bit. Uh, thank you very much to CCP Falcon. Um, wanna, I want to say a couple of housekeeping things and then invite you all to, if you have a shout out. Um, thank you to CBAS SA for your uh, 29 months in a row. I'll come by and have a beer with you one of these days, bro. Someone buy him a beer uh, when, he sees, when you see him. Exactly, exactly. Um, actually, I will see him on uh, Thursday, the 15th or 16th of August for the next San Diego Eve player meetup. I love Eve player meetups. If you've never been to one in your area, dude, you are so missing out. It's like it's like trying to explain to someone who's never had chocolate cake. I'm like, dude, so, you need to have this. It's interesting. Like, honestly, I've never really been to any kind of like um, gaming meet 
like meet up kind of thing um really ever to be completely honest like i, I think i've been to a couple of like uh trade shows sort of thing where it's been sort of like there's been sort of sort of semi kind of stuff like that but never never an actual like you know player meetup kind of thing until playing uh, until playing eve online and i have to say like it's a it's a um it's a humbling experience because you meet people who you might have grudges with in game and you know much like much like that um uh, that video that uh, uh, Porkbutt made of uh, I think it was Las Vegas last year um, like you know like Grath says like you know you may have uh, grudges with people but like when you meet them and have a beer with them and stuff like that you, you actually kind of I mean it doesn't really affect you in game you still sort of like fight people in game but you have this kind of you have this mutual respect for each other um, which like goes magic. a long way. Yeah, yeah, it does go a long way. Yeah, it, it's just wonderful. You go someplace and you can openly talk about your about playing Eve, and especially like when you go to Fan Fest, and you just openly do it, and it's like nobody's going to think you're weird, and it's just like a natural thing. It's it is funny, like by uh, seeing a whole bunch of Eve nerds in a bar, um, not quite drunk enough to be really uh f like super friendly with each other so <laughs> you get these situations where people are obviously have a little bit of nerves kind of meeting people for the first sort of time kind of thing but it's just funny how that like dissolves away as the evening goes it's great yeah i highly recommend getting involved in player gatherings to be honest uh by the way mcleod you have a british accent i'm assuming you're in the uk uh eve london november the 18th yeah, definitely, man. Try it out. It's uh, if you've never been to a play gathering before, that's one of the easy entry pub gatherings where everyone just gets drunk and talks shit about spaceships. So it's uh, it's definitely a good entry point, I would say. Uh, but been, yeah, I've been to uh, a few, man. I've been to a few uh, Evil Under meetups already. The the when it used to be Velo Corp meetup, and then it became the uh, Evil London EVNT kind of London thing. Yeah, that's that's that was my baby for many years. I organ co-organized that alongside uh, Dmitry Slavic for many years, um, and it was uh, was a hell of a fun thing. Uh, I I'm actually going over again in November because I just I feel like I'm obliged to be there. It's almost genetic that I that I have to be at that gathering now. Well, I'll see you there then. In that case, definitely, man. By you, man. What what about E Vegas CCP Falcon? Are you going to be there by chance? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I'm the uh, program director for eVegas, so it's kind of for my sins, I have to be there, unfortunately. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's not like I'm ever going to complain about being sent to Vegas, but, you know, it's, you know, it's part of the part of the perks of the job, I guess. I was, uh, but yeah, I was, there's... I was going to say, oh no, poor you. <laughs> I know, right? It's such a hard life. Um, this is one of the reasons that I love my job because I do get to go places. It's super cool. Um, but yeah, in terms of eVegas, a um, little bit of an exclusive for you guys, in fact, because uh, I'm about to announce it in like 15 minutes uh, when, when I'm done with this podcast. Um, we've actually um, sorted out the venue for this year's uh, 
for this year's uh, Saturday night party. Uh, we're actually going to be hosting, um, we're moving from the Chateau uh, because we've also moved from Planet Hollywood to the link. Um, and we're actually going to be hosting um, the big party um, at uh, Drea's uh, Beach Club and Nightclub um, in Vegas this year. Um, so that information about that's going to be going out in a little while. Um, and that's open to everyone who has um, a ticket to E-Vegas. Um, as well as that, in the next couple of weeks, we're hoping also to have a draft schedule out so you guys can see what's going to be going on at Vegas. Um, so we're going to try and get that out super early. Um, and we're also... Um going to be supporting able gamers this year as well um so all of uh, our, all of our charity raffle money um all of the funds we raise from various things we'll be doing at vegas this year including the silent auction will all go to able gamers it's kind of a little bit of a tribute to what the community did earlier this year when you guys raised thirty-five thousand dollars um with a 72 hour live stream that was pretty cool um so yeah um most of our guys and girls who've um been involved with um who've been involved with live streaming for, for charity. Um, I've out, will be, uh, will be helping us out. I would imagine with, uh, stuff in Vegas, I've already speak, been speaking to scared Panda and a few other people about, uh, potentially doing a little bit of stuff for charity there. Uh, we've got a couple more events lined up that I'm not really ready to announce yet. Um, that we're thinking about doing to raise a little bit more money for charity too. Um, and then of course we've got all the usual presentations, round tables and our, uh, we'll also be talking to our player speakers over the course of the next couple of weeks as well. Um, and confirming who's going to be on stage for Vegas, that kind of stuff. Uh, we just need to get all of the developer content nailed down first, which we're doing over the course of the next week or so. Um, and then we'll have more information. I'm actually hoping to have a draft schedule out maybe within the next week, two weeks, so that people can actually see uh, what the deal is. And we're doing that this far in advance this year because the ticket sales for e-vegas this year have been absolutely tremendous like we are way beyond what we had for 2016 um it's incredibly surprising but uh yeah we are very very close to selling out of e-vegas tickets uh which would be incredible um and it's uh yeah it's going to be an enormous event this year um to the point where i'm actually we're actually considering bringing a few extra people out <laughs> just to help with sort of the mingling the meeting and greeting um and actually just having people there to be able to, to cope with the numbers we're expecting. Um, it's um, to give you a little bit of a hint in terms of size, E-Vegas this year is almost as big as FanFest. Um, it is absolutely colossal. Um, and we're really glad that we've got a super good venue uh, that can handle that kind of numbers because, uh, yeah, we're looking at Vegas being pretty big. And we're going to have, you know, more information about 2018, uh, more information about uh, sort of like our, our sort of longer-term roadmap, as well as some information about what's going to be coming up in the winter expansion um, and maybe some interesting concept-y stuff um, we'll also be showing uh, Valkyrie there as well and Spark because Spark will be out then. Um, and then as far as I'm aware, we're taking Spark. I hope I haven't just accidentally said something I shouldn't. But um, as far as I'm aware, we're going to be showing off uh, everything we've got, basically. So it should be a pretty cool event. And um, it should be, uh, yeah, definitely one for the book. So if you haven't already got a Vegas tickets, vegas.avonline.com, that needs to be a thing. And you've got to come out there and uh, get drunk and play blackjack with us. All right, we got to wind up now. Sorry. Uh, thank you to those people who were showing support for this show. Believe it or not, it costs real money to put on a, a show and a podcast like this and upload things. Uh, so very cool. Um, if you're listening to the podcast and you want to contribute to help offset some of the costs, which are mostly carried by Matterall, our normal host, you can do so by supporting him on Patreon.com. Uh, Patreon.com slash Matterall. 
on behalf of the team, I'd like to thank you for your continual support. It's much appreciated. Uh, and then let's see if anyone has any shout outs uh, on the team. Apple Pear. Um, yeah, the only thing I'm talking about the evening is uh, see you all at Easterdam. Easterdam, amen. Falcon. Yeah, shout out to all the guys from Eve Down Under, in fact. Um, I had an amazing time while I was out there last week. I'm just recovering from the jet lag of being back um, and also the amount of alcohol that I consumed while I was in Australia. Uh, these guys definitely know how to party. So shout out to Bam Stroker, Chimera, Otto Bismarck, Faulty7, all the guys who really did a, a sterling job of, uh, of being involved in the organization of or hosting um, uh, Eve Down Under. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, and then, yeah, just a shout out to everyone who's listening it's really nice to see so many people actually tune in um it's good to see so many awesome community initiatives like this uh it's nice to see so many people streaming podcasts and creating content um and i'm hoping with a bit of luck that uh, everyone who's involved in the uh, let's call it a deployment right now up north is going to grow a pair and we're going to see some really really big fights uh i'd really like to see some crazy stuff happening in the run up to vegas and in, in the run up to the winter it should be and of course, happy birthday to Faulty7 as well. I always have to say that whenever I'm on air on any show because he loves it. So uh, it's going to be, uh, yeah, should be good. Awesome. Yeah, Faulty's a sweetheart. McLeod. Oh, man, where do I start? Like, um, I'd have to give a shout out to uh, uh, to all the guys at uh, Eventy for the uh, Alliance Tournament um, coverage. Uh, and also, they're doing I a think damn good job. They are doing an amazing job, to be completely honest. Yeah, um, it's absolutely incredible. And I think EventT, the EventT kind of group, have, are also the guys that are keeping up the uh, Eve London meetup, right? If I yep, indeed rightly. they are. So I'm like really glad that that's still with that. That's still a thing. So uh, you know, mad props to them for uh, keeping that going and keeping that alive, which is awesome. And of course, I have to always do a, sh a shout out to my uh, my in it bros and uh, the guys from T Grads. Noisy. Yeah, uh, let's give a shout out to everybody going to E Vegas. I will be out there. Um, uh, despite the flooding that happened uh, apparently yesterday in the park in the uh, parking garage, and also a shout out to Dirk McGurk, who always says I only mention him when I'm saying something bad about him. Ha have a good uh, vacation, Dirk. We love you, Dirk. Amen. I, I, Amen. I imagine he's pro probably sipping some Tito's right now. Good. He should do. <laughs> Um, all right, I want to say thank you to McLeod, our producer, for doing all the hard work behind the scenes to get this running. I want to say thank you to Apple Pear and Falcon and Noisy for coming on and helping us with this show today. Much obliged, sir. I know Friday was crazy busy for you. I don't know what it was, but I know you guys were busy. And uh, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Exardia and his wife for delaying their uh, vacation so they could sit and watch Talking in Stations this morning live. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Don't torture her anymore. Just go. I and, need uh, to catch a plane. Quick. And uh, just thank you all for watching. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. See ya.